Our lesson today has to do with salvation, and that's what we just sang about. Salvation and the prophets. What did the prophets know about salvation? Let's turn to 1 Peter, and we'll read a few verses in there. 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll read verses 8 through 12. Whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank thee for this portion of thy word this morning. We ask that thou wilt bless each heart assembled here as we talk about our Lord Jesus Christ, as we talk about thy word, as we talk about the prophets as we encourage those that are coming to the Lord and as we commune and fellowship with those that already know Thee, we just ask that Thy name will be honored and glorified. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. This is uh, an interesting lesson because we have to go back into the Old Testament. We have to understand, we're going to understand, that neither testament is complete without the other. Peter is writing in this book to strangers, strangers to the world, that is. They're scattered throughout Asia Minor. If you want to follow verses 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and down that first column, I'm going to kind of just review it. They being elected by God and drawn unto Christ by the Holy Spirit were now suffering physical hardships because it was necessary for the trial of their faith. Their faith was in Christ, verse 8 now, whom they never saw and yet loved with a wonderful inward joy that words couldn't express fully. They knew they were saved. They knew that by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. Where did I just quote? That was Ephesians 2.8. I think we all know that pretty good. Now, most of these that Peter was writing to were Jews who because of family tradition had learned about the prophets. The prophets were the heroes to the little boys and girls as they grew up. 
Mom and Dad would read to the kids and tell them the stories over and over again about the prophets in the Old Testament. So, was this salvation that the apostles preached some new thing, new light, new doctrine? Well, Peter says that we're preaching the same thing the prophets did. They prophesied or foretold about events or things that would happen hundreds of years before they happened. And how was this possible? Well, Peter says that the Spirit of Christ was in them. Look at verse 11. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. Now, this is the same Spirit mentioned again in verse 12, called the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Now, only God can predict future things. So it was no big thing for the Spirit of Christ to tell exactly things about the birth, life, and death of our Lord, not to mention his resurrection, that Christ said the sign of Jonah was the key to. I want to show you just how our Lord brought out these truths. Look at Matthew 12, verses 39 and 40. Matthew 12, 39 and 40. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There was your tip-off to the resurrection. There was your tip-off to the fact that the book of Jonah showed the resurrection of Christ. That's why it's there. It prefigured the resurrection. Now, a word about the prophets. The book that we have here, called the Bible, tells us about the prophets. Many of the books in this Bible were written by prophets. The Jewish nation is the only nation whose great heroes are prophets, men of God. Other nations may have one or two they call prophets, like Mohammed and, uh, I'm stumped. I don't know if Confucius was a prophet or not. But they were never recognized or known as holy men. Now, other nations have heroes who are soldiers, statesmen, or conquering kings. But only Israel had men led of God. Now, they weren't all the same type of people either. There were statesmen like Daniel. There were farmers like Amos, shepherds like David, 
kings like Solomon. These are all prophets. These are the heroes of the nation of Israel. And they weren't known for just one thing they said, but they even wrote books. Now take one of the heroes of our own country, like George Washington, who is remembered for a few things he said. Now compare the writings of Isaiah with what Washington said. He said, I cannot lie, I chopped down the cherry tree. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Or his famous words to his soldiers just before they crossed the Potomac River. Come on, men, get in the boat. Now, there's no nation like Israel, no history like the history of Israel, and no God like the God of Israel. And then it's all written down in a book and preserved by God for you and me. When I talk about preserved, I'm talking about for thousands of years. We haven't got any other piece of material thousands of years old that's available to all of us. Now, Peter says the prophets inquired and searched diligently. Those great men, choice spirits of the ages in which they lived, were delighted to preach of salvation, a blessing to be later revealed. Well, how fortunate we are. We look back and see salvation completed on Calvary. There was no guess, guessing with us. It's all over and done, down in black and white. They didn't have that. They did not understand fully what they were called to reveal, for the Holy Spirit often carried them beyond themselves and made them say more than they understood. They rejoiced in the testimony of the Spirit within them, but they were not free from the necessity to search and to search diligently if they were to derive any benefit for themselves. Now, if men who had the Holy Spirit and were called prophets searched into the meaning of the words which they themselves spoke, what are such poor things as we are to do in order to understand the gospel? It should be our delight to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the doctrines of grace. Can you understand that it's a blessing? It's a blessing beyond blessings to be able to have the liberty to search God's word and search out those doctrines of grace and see how they apply to you. Now, Daniel was a great student of the word, one of the great prophets. And the Lord gave Daniel some great prophecy concerning end times. And one such scripture in Daniel 7 concerning the Antichrist really shook Daniel. He said, my whole appearance changed. Let's read it. Daniel 7, 28. Daniel 7, 28. 
Well, let's read with 25, and I'll show you what he's talking about. What made him to cringe? What made his whole <laughs> facial features to change? He's speaking about this person, this, this great spiritual being that's going to have control here on earth. And he says, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and a dividing of time. Now, that all that means is three and a half years. A time, a time, and a dividing of time. Let's see. A time and times. That's three, and a dividing of a time is a half. That's three and a half years. We know that's the reign of Antichrist. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Now I'll see what Daniel says. Hitherto is the end of the matter, and as for me, Daniel, my cogitations much trouble me, my thoughts, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. He searched, but he didn't understand. All right, and then yet there were some things necessary to foretell, and yet not necessary to understand until the proper point in time. Now, what am I talking about? What did the Lord not let him know anything about? Well, I'm talking about the tribulation. It was very important for the tribulation to be foretold in the scriptures, but it was not necessary for anybody back then to understand it. I want to show you this. Turn to Daniel 12, 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. Every one that shall be found written in the book, that is, Look at verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even till the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Look at verse 8. And I heard, but I understood not. And then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Verse 13. But go thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Now Daniel was a wonderful, wonderful character. And the Lord told him that he wasn't going to know anything till the end. Now, 
It's my personal conviction. I have a feeling that it was Daniel talking to John in Revelation 19.10. Turn over there. Revelation 19.10. John speaking, And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Now, it's not an angel, mind you. Angels aren't brethren. Angels don't have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Angels aren't called fellow servants. Fellow servants. They're servants, but not fellow servants. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, why do I say this? You see, Daniel had one flaw that we can find in his character. I want you to turn over there to Daniel 2.4. Daniel 2.4. Ezekiel Daniel. Okay, 2.46. Why couldn't I write 46? Daniel 2.46. Here's his flaw. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that he should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. Daniel didn't say a thing. He let him do it. So now, when we're over here in Revelation 19.10, he corrects that flaw. He tells John, uh-uh, don't you bow down to me, buddy. I'm my fellow servant and of thy brethren. Don't you do it. You worship God. And our Lord lets Daniel see the end as clearly as John did. Isn't that wonderful? He takes care of his people, his prophets. Okay, verse 11 over here in 1 Peter. Testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. Now anyone with some Bible knowledge is certainly familiar with Isaiah 53 or Psalm 22. Both foretelling the death of Christ. And in neither case is the ending gloomy, but has glory that follows. Well, what does it say here in verse 11? It says, Searching water, what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. All right, let's turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 was written 712 years before Christ was born. That's a long time, isn't it? <clears throat> 712 years before. 
and it pictured to us the suffering Savior. It's a strange scripture and the Jewish nation has rejected it. They will not admit that this is somebody other than Israel, the nation of Israel. They want this to be the nation of Israel. It's a person. Verse 3, he's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Can you imagine? The creator of the universe, the most majestic person ever being despised and rejected by little, stinking, mealy men. The Bible says that's going to happen. That's what did happen. They hated him without a cause. Verse 4, Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. Boy, is that wonderful. Have somebody to take our place on the cross. Now you see, you say, well, I think that if that's all that was to it, that's all I had to do was be crucified and then I'd be, I'd, I'd enter heaven. Well, I think I could hack it. That's not the idea. Uh-uh. It was the almighty God suffering in a sinner's place, taking an eternity of punishment for each of us upon him at that time. An eternity the wages of sin is death and every sinner that does not come to the Lord Jesus Christ is going to suffer forever in the lake of fire. Not three hours. The three hours was sufficient because it was the blood of God being spilt there in our place. Not a normal human being's blood. God's blood. That's what makes the difference. See, often in your mind you think, huh, six hours on the cross, a few cries here and there, and it's, how can that be? It can be because he was God. The only answer I can give you, taking your sins and mine up on him at the time and suffering the eternal vengeance of God upon himself. And what made that so different is the fact that God separated himself from the Lord Jesus Christ at the time, turned his back upon him, isolated him there between heaven and earth. Now, all of you sinners out here, everybody saved or lost or under conviction, especially the ones conviction under conviction and saved, there's a guardian angel that watches every step that you've ever taken since the moment you were born. But there was this time in time when there was no one to stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. The God-man took it all upon himself alone. 
That's what makes Calvary so drastically wonderful. Isaiah 53 foretells, tells ahead of time, the sufferings, death, and then I said there was some glory in it too, didn't I? It pleased the Lord, verse 10, to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, and when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. See, these are wonderful scriptures. That's one of the prophets, Isaiah. Now let's turn to Psalm 22 just a moment. You could have stayed a lot longer there than the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, but we've got a lot more ground to cover today. 22nd Psalm, written about a thousand years before Christ was born. Now look, if you go back from where we're living now, back to the year, say, 1000, boy, those were dark ages. There was nothing that we know of. Except that <laughs> from way before that dark age at one year 1000, and right on through the year 1000, come this book. God's word was preserved through every dark and miserable age that this world has ever known. Come right on through to hear you and me sit with beautiful leather-covered things and beautiful paper with large print and uh, numbers and uh, uh, you can the references on it and everything just for you and me. You you realize. This is practically the only book you can get a concordance with every word in it to tell you every place that word is so that you have a, a wonderful study help. It happens with no other books. You know, there's no copyright on this book. You can copy any page off of here, any place, anytime. You can quote it anywhere that you please and nobody's going to say, hey, you're infringing upon my rights because you're not. God gave this to people. Psalm 22. Let's see a little bit about that. It starts out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Poor David. Was he forsaken of God? No, he never was forsaken. Do you realize that? Do you know that David never was forsaken of God? Oh, he had a lot of hard times, sure. He brought a lot of hard stuff on himself. But God never forsook him. His, the Lord's promise to David is the same one to you and me. I will never, never leave thee nor forsake thee. But you might ramble out a little bit into sin and think that I've left you, but I'm just going to let you suffer a little bit, buddy, and then I'm coming back. But these words here were put here because they're the exact words of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, and they had deep, deep meaning. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. 
But I'm not blaming you for it. Uh-uh. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. As our Lord Jesus Christ hung on the cross, he was anything but holy. He was sin. He was sin in God's eyes. He was sin in his own eyes, and yet he was still God. But this had to be, this time of separation, this time of desolation, had to be for you and me. Can you imagine the exact words a person is going to say written down so that there's no mistaking it a thousand years before it happened? Verse 6, I'm a worm and no man. That's one of the reasons. A reproach of men, despised of all the people. All they that see me laugh. Laugh me to scorn and shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted him. Exact words of those standing around the cross. If you be God, come on down. Even the thief said that. If you're God, come on down from the cross and bring us too. Verse 14, I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. Picture of the cross. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have come past me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Anything need to be clearer about the cross? I may tell all my bones, and they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast... Lots upon my venture, exactly what the soldiers did. Did they read Psalm 22 before they got in that huddle and say, hey boy, I'm going to call this play. When we get around the cross, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Let's get out the dice, we're going to shoot a few rounds here, and we're going to part his garments. No, they didn't do that. They never gave God's word a thought. God's word predicted what they were going to do. But I said, there's glory that follows, is there? Well, sure there is. Look at verse 22. I'll declare thy name unto my brethren, and in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. And ye that fear the Lord, praise him, all ye seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. Verse 25. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation, and I'll pay my vows before them that fear him. Isn't that wonderful? Verse 28, the kingdom is the Lord's and he's the governor among the nations. There's the glory that follows. Now Peter says that these prophets lived, wrote, suffered and passed on, that the things they wrote were for us because now the things that they did not understand are being revealed to us by the Holy Ghost through preaching. Where is that? Well, I just read it to you over in Peter. Let's read it again and see if we get the same thing that I just said. Verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, so they did not understand their own words, but unto us 
they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. So that the preaching of those things that they did not understand are revealed to us because God's Spirit shows them to us. Now, there's a lot of times when I might be teaching or preaching or Brother Hale, either one, and we will say something and it will be like a bright light to some of you and to others it won't mean a thing. There's a difference the way the Holy Spirit operates and clarifies things in his word to individuals. This kind of reminds me of the scripture over in Hebrews 12.2. Turn over there just a moment. In Hebrews 12.2. And there it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author. Now an author is generally a writer. Not just a, an inventor, but an author. They call authors writers. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, looking, back up to two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Okay, now hold that place and get back to First Peter. And look at verse 11. He was the author in verse 11. Because he did testify beforehand the sufferings of Christ. And they were written down. He was the author. All right. In verse 12, he's the finisher of our faith. Look at uh, the second part of it. Uh, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost. Our Lord's Spirit is still not just only the author but the revealer or the finisher of our faith. Another thing that this proves is the Trinity. It says the Spirit of Christ which was in them, the old prophets. If it was the Spirit of Christ, that means there was a person of Christ also. And if the Spirit operated separately and then the Son was born in due time and came, it's going to show you two parts of the Trinity right there. The Spirit of Christ which was in them and the Lord Jesus Christ himself whom that spirit testified about. The last part of our lesson, sent down from heaven. Acts 1.8. Turn over to Acts 1.8. Our Lord Jesus Christ and the last things that he says to his apostles but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. 
And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The uttermost parts of the earth, that's the United States at that time, see. That's as far away as you can get from Israel. He was just going to return to heaven and he said he was going to send the Holy Ghost back. John 14, let's turn over there a moment, a little more about the Holy Ghost coming down from heaven. John 14, verses 16 through 18. I almost read to you in Luke 14. John 14, verses 16 through 18. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Okay, next chapter. John 15, verse 26. Progression. Remember, first of all, he said, the, the Father's going to send the Comforter. Then he said, the Father's going to send the Comforter in my name. Now, what does he say? Verse 26. When the Comforter is come whom I will send unto you from the Father. Even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father shall testify of me. John 16, chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you you realize the necessity of the Lord Jesus Christ going back to heaven so that the Holy Spirit could come here to abide in believers. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, that's what preaching does, even of the prophecies. It just don't uh, increase our knowledge of things in the Bible and make us real smart people. The very first thing it does is bring the sinner down. The Lord never introduces himself to the sinner and says, I love you, I've loved you from eternity, and I'm going to save you. Never! The first thing the Holy Spirit does to anybody is show them that they're a lost sinner without any help whatsoever. Of righteousness because I go to my... Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father. And of judgment because the prince of this world is judge. And verse 13 is the biggie. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you unto all, into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. All right. The things that the prophets spoke all through the Old Testament, many of them were things to come. 
It's the Holy Spirit that shows us the meaning of those prophecies. Of course, there was more to be added. There was the book of Revelation. And the Spirit still has to show us things. And there's still things that are hidden to us. Verse 14, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. Show you things to come, the revealer of prophecy. I've enjoyed bringing this lesson. I enjoyed preparing it. And the next week, uh, I think we're going to enjoy it even more because we're going to use the last part of that verse 12, which things the angels desire to look into. And we're going to have a study on angels. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this fleeting, swiftly moving hour this morning. We ask that hearts will have been blessed and lifted up with the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you to bless this service that follows. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.